Well, hello and welcome back to the Calorie Deficit University podcast. And if you are tuning in um, via Spotify or um, Apple Podcasts, welcome. Um, this will be the one of the first podcast that is now going to be live on YouTube. So very excited about that um, to bring you uh, content on YouTube. If you want to see my face, if you want to see, you know, my vocal inflections and things like that. Um, If you are new here, I really appreciate you joining in. If you are a recurring listener, um, please do go ahead and give this show um, a a little review. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, Remember that I'm just a person um, just like you and um, trying to bring you guys content and I really would appreciate the review as it does help push uh, the episodes out and give recommendation to people who are interested in learning more about these different topics. So let's jump right in to the episode. Why do so many people uh, struggle with their weight? Um, today we're not going to get into the nuance of genealogy or DNA or nature versus nurture. I really want to get into some very pointed specific behavioral issues of why so many people struggle with the process of weight loss, um, putting in the effort and not receiving results or what might be tripping you up in the process of trying to lose weight and yet you feel like it's a constant battle and struggle. Understanding the why will help understand how to solve the overall problem at hand and what you're struggling with. We know how to lose weight, right? The the mechanisms for weight loss are quite simple. Um, but why do people still struggle to do so? Why do they continue to struggle in the first place? We know um, that it didn't used to be the case that the majority of people struggled with being overweight or obese. Um, and so, like, what kind of happened? Um, of course, access to um, high calories, fast food, snacks, increasing stress, uh, food deserts, um, and more add to the issue. But I want to talk again specifically about behavioral issues that keep people struggling with their weight despite having access to the internet, where there are so many amazing coaches, um, so many, honestly, phenomenal educators out there providing information on how to lose weight for free. Why do people still struggle if we have all that data, have all the access, have all the information? Um, why is it that the mechanisms for weight loss are so simple, yet people really, really struggle? And I'm going to to tell you and, and talk to you about what I see reoccur, the coaching lessons that I do have to go through with people over time, if they're willing to be coached, if they're willing to learn. The number one reason I find that people really resist the the simple mechanisms to weight loss is that they don't they underestimate how much change has to occur and how change is much harder than they think. Um, I think everyone approaches weight loss for the majority of like, oh, this is something that I'm going to do for a short term and then I'm going to get my results and I'll just move on with my life and go back to how I was before. And the reason I 
oftentimes give um, examples of addiction or alcoholism in the same light as weight loss is not to have a derogatory color or light to it, but to have a very um, high importance to, to get that red flag up for you of these behaviors go in hand in hand with something like um, addiction. And that's why it's so serious. That's why people struggle. Um, and and I want you to understand this is, this is hard. Um, you're not broken. It's just hard. Um, everyone looks at things like 75 hard and they think, oh, you know, that's not too bad. And then they give it a try, um, which if you're not familiar with 75 hard, it's just for 75 days, you do certain routines and things that usually result in weight loss. But usually people can't even get past day three of it. Um, and they realize just how hard it really is. Um, because it causes a significant level of discomfort. Um, people are very, very comfortable in their baseline and rarely ever question where that baseline came from, how they got to that conclusion. Um, and they really underestimate how much change has to be made to achieve that, those certain goals. Um, and so if you're listening to this and you're like, oh yeah, I know that change is much harder than I think, but I do want to change. Wake up every day with that same commitment, that same mindset of like, remember, we're changing here. We're not going to be the same. The goal here is not just weight loss. We need to seek a full transformation of self, the full transformation of my baseline, questioning, improving at every switch and turn. Another reason people really struggle with their attempts for weight loss or struggle with keeping weight off in general is their unwillingness to change their mind. Um, and again, rewiring that baseline of thought of where your conclusions come from, your belief systems about food. Um, I've talked about this previously, but if you really want to make a long-term change, you have to have a very different viewpoint on food and the food environment we're currently in. We've talked about something as, you know, non-specific or not as important as, you know, you really don't need to eat organic to lose weight or be healthy. Um, but there are things that you need to do of like eating whole foods, eating more protein, eating more fiber. And I think when I say those things, people think, oh, I'll just have an addition to that in addition to my baseline of I'll add in protein, I'll add in fiber instead of again, rewriting the very fabric of your being, because this unwillingness to change just pops up, say, Hey, okay, we really need to hit our protein goal. Well, usually what will bubble up is I'm not really willing to sacrifice eating the amount of carbs that I, that I enjoy eating the specific foods that I like to eat. Sometimes that reality is very uncomfortable that it has to change, that you're not going to be able to just eat whatever carbs at whatever unlimited quantity if you want to reach your goals and have change forever to not be hungry, to not think about your food all the time. That's what I'm talking about, having a willingness to accept Mm, maybe my baseline of how I've been eating day in and day out is not serving 
my existence is not serving my goals and is not going to help me achieve the physique that I'm looking for. And really being willing to say, okay, I need to give up on this stronghold of my routine of I'm not going to eat this, I'm going to eat that, et cetera, et cetera. Most people don't realize just how much they're influenced to eat more than they maybe want to eat. We've got things like a new crumble, uh, recipe or new crumble menu every week, new fast food drops. Um, We've got events, holidays, birthdays, anniversaries. Food is everywhere in America specifically. Um, I say all the time, you don't have to seek food out more than likely. It will plop in your lap. It will find you. It will, it will hunt you down because our consumerism, our capitalism is highly invested in your purchase of their product. That's why we've got a million products. Capitalism is supposed to breed innovation, but we've just got a rerun high caloric amount of the same product over and over and over again, fighting for the shelf uh, in your home, fighting for your dollar. Um, And really, again, in my previous episode, talking about food costs, I think in our mind, we get this, this expectation of what our food is supposed to be like, our routine is supposed to be like. And we've bought certain lies of like, well, I have to shop at this place and I have to buy these foods. And again, instead of adjusting your baseline all over, wiping it, scratching it, and trying to radically change your intake, you end up tailspinning yourself into oblivion. Um, And really, trying to rewire and reject the current norm for food intake in the West is really hard because you, most likely if you're in your 50s or younger, you've been marketed to from birth um, about food, about consumerism products over and over and over again. And they are very predatorial. They seek out lower income areas and put more marketing in those areas um, because th- it statistically does better. Um, it, when you're in the cycle of poverty, you're too tired to cook and so you eat out and then you spend more money. So you're stuck in the cycle of poverty over and over and over again. And they know that they capitalize on that and it's gross and it's awful. And the only way to break free from those cycles is to completely rewire and relook and sometimes embrace a very sucky suck of having to embrace a new routine, cook for yourself, eat canned food, eat frozen food that is actually fine and healthy, but you're not being marketed in that way because really they don't make money off of that. That there's a very low margin to profit off of canned foods and frozen foods because they are the more affordable option and still very, very healthy. But that's the type of like tunnel vision that I'm talking about. When I say, yeah, eat canned food, no problem. Eat frozen food, no problem. A lot of people, specifically my clients are like, but how is that healthy? How is that going to serve me? I'm like, well, frozen broccoli has the same micronutrients and macronutrients as fresh broccoli. Frozen broccoli is actually probably a little bit more nutrient dense because it's usually flash frozen immediately and hasn't been sitting on a truck for two weeks. I digress. 
You need to see food and consumption in a very different light to succeed. Again, that's through an educational lens that you, by listening to this podcast, are submerging yourself in. And it's your responsibility now to take that submersion and live in it, swim in it, bathe in it, consume, like drink it, drown in it, and actually change forever. I think the majority of people are unaware of just how either bad it is or how ingrained their personal routines and habits are. Um, it really never fails, especially like with gen, um, pop clients who are not, you know, in an athletic performance, um, sense with their nutrition. Um, they'll look at their food, not as a nutrient source, but as a comfort source, as a part of their routine and say, oh, well, why are you eating that thing? I don't know. It's something that I've always eaten. Okay. Well, why do you always have to have a midnight snack? I don't know. I'm not even hungry. It's something that I've always done. Why do you have to eat a snack when you watch TV? I don't know. It's something that I'm bored and I do. Do you see what I mean by questioning your baseline, questioning your routines, and really immersing yourself into a new light of existing? Most people do not understand and realize how much they consume and how much they overconsume. This is why I'm a big proponent of tracking. Um, I think when you track your food, it puts, it sheds a lot of uncomfortable light on your intake. Um, and I say uncomfortable light because most people don't want to track their food purely because it causes you to have accountability with your intake, which is not fun. It's not comfortable if you know what you're supposed to be doing and you don't do it. Not fun. Um, it never fails. So most people think they don't eat a lot, And really the only way to realize that you're eating way more than you think you are, again, is by tracking your food and tracking your food intake very precisely. Um, But like I said, this can lead people to feel kind of scared because they don't want to give up their way of eating freely. Because somewhere along the line, we correlated tracking our food with, I can't eat freely. Um... Tracking your food is just like tracking your finances. You can spend what you want to spend your money on, what you want to spend your calories on, but you're always going to have accountability in the end for it, whether you like it or not. Your body does keep the score just like your bank account does. I said what I said. You have to embrace that uncomfortable part and push through the uncomfortable part of tracking your food, uh, to the other side of, okay, tracking is just like making a budget for my bank account. A lot of people graduate to only tracking their protein, um, or only tracking certain parts to make sure that they're getting enough of certain nutrients because nobody's perfect. Um, but ultimately, hopefully you would graduate from tracking to just eating whole foods, primarily seeing what you actually get. Um, and just being able to adjust your caloric intake so that you are actually eating enough fruit, enough vegetables, and enough lean protein sources. Um, But you're never going to know those things if you never take account of your food intake. Um, I I would actually think what I want to do, like a fun bit, would be having people submit 
their, uh, like my fitness pal logs to me. And I kind of go through them like a financial log. I think that that would be fun. Cause I enjoy those financial videos of like, Hey, okay, you didn't hit your protein goal. This is how you could adjust, or you didn't hit your fat goal and you feel like shit. This is how you could adjust. I think that would be really fun. And maybe I'll start by doing it with my like clients that want to be involved in that. That might be super fun. Okay. Another thing that I see and have a really hard time with as a coach, because it can come across as me being nitpicky or negative. Um, but it's not, it's something that I recognize in everyone, myself, um, other, you know, other people around me, friends, family, it's the rules and the rules around food and eating never cease to surprise me. Like I think I've seen it all. And then I have something crazy come across my lap with coaching. Um, everybody has food rules, whether you think you do or not. Um, I know like I used to be that girl that was like, Oh, I'll eat anything. I'll try anything once. Like I thought I was a very open person with food, but over time you start to realize you have very specific food rules. Everybody has them. Um, and I want to encourage you to challenge your food rules, um, so that you can succeed long-term because your food rules, whether again, it's nature, nurture, you've been you know bought into the system of capitalism that you have to eat this and that, whatever, challenge your food rules of the I can'ts and I won'ts. That is the number one thing that holds people back the most. And I'm going to walk you through some very specific I can'ts and I won'ts and I don'ts. And if this is you, address it, fix it, accept it, and let's move forward so that you can actually achieve your goals. The people who say, well, I don't eat this. Okay. There are certain macronutrients that you need to be successful long-term. So these are people who will come to me and be like, look, I'm a devout vegetarian and I like that. It's how I want to eat. It makes me feel good. And it's just a personal preference. It's not a medical issue. It's not a religious issue. It's not even a moral stance. It's just this preference that they've had. Um, but in addition to that, they have very, very specific physique goals that they have in mind. And while you can get an incredible physique being a vegetarian, most people in the gen pop space do not have the discipline it takes to do that, period. I I wouldn't choose that because it would be much harder. My food choices and intake would be so, so not fun that I couldn't do it. Um, and then as we go along in coaching, I will notice and witness, oh, well, you know, I had some red meat here. I had some chicken there, had some shrimp. Oh, I, you know, I do eat fish once a week. And this kind of, I don't starts to fade away into the misty, mysterious, black, dark pit of excuses. And that's all that it is. It's an excuse to not change your eating because it makes you feel uncomfortable because you really don't want to have specific food options and choices. You want to be, I don't know, unlimited. I don't know what it is, but you don't want to. 
And so you make up this excuse like, I want to be vegetarian. Um, or I don't like shrimp. Or I don't like the texture of chicken. Or I can't do that. I just can't eat that. I've never liked that. Instead of maybe saying, well, I really, chicken is a great option to hit my macros. Um, I'm going to learn how to cook chicken in a way that I enjoy eating it. That's like an abundance mindset. That's a, a happy mindset. That's a encouraged mindset, a, you know, a goal achieving forward moving mindset. Um, we have the people who say I can't eat carbs or I can't eat higher carb. And then they want to hit specific PRs, uh, in the gym. It's not going to happen without carbs. You need carbs. Don't be afraid of carbs. That one's kind of an easier fix. The too many carbs makes me feel bloated crowd or the too much protein makes me feel bloated crowd. Bloating in a regular amount, when you eat food, your stomach is going to enlarge. Hello, you just put food in your body. If you have too much bloating uh, where it's like uncomfortable and it's hindering your life, it's not the protein or the carbs, babe. It's probably a lack of fiber, a lack of proper hydration, and a lack of uh, good nutrient profiling in your gut microbiome. Again, the solution there is eating on plan and improving the level of your food that you're eating and saying, look, I have these standards. I have to hit my protein. I have to hit my fiber and I have to eat these micronutrient dense foods or I'm not going to feel good. I'm going to be bloated. Yeah. You get bloated from anyway, that always makes me laugh because I'm like, okay, I can't really argue with you about how you feel, but if you would give you know, these options a try, eat your berries every day, eat, you know, some sweet potato, eat apples so that you get some good fiber in. Um, and then you're going to feel better with your protein intake instead of eating bread, 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 and bread, and bread, and another form of bread. Um, that's a sure way to feel very, very, very sick and bloated. Um, the, I can't change that. Well, you know, my family has very specific, um, food, uh, choices and I just can't change that. I have to eat what my family eats. I just can't change that. I have to, I just can't change that. That's a limiting belief and you're cutting yourself up to the abundance and opportunity to change. If every single time, oh, my job is underpaying me and I just can't change that. Oh, you know, my kid, they're reckless. They um, act out at school. They're being bullied. I just can't change that. Oh, you know, I keep getting C's and I need B's to get into the master's program that I need, but I can't, I just can't change that. Do you see how it starts to sound really fucking ridiculous when you say, well, I just can't change that? You have way more power than you think you do when it comes to your food intake and interacting with the people around you. And I've noticed this time and time again, and when family members hinder your progress, that is a, a what I call a yellow flag of like, hey, we need to have a conversation. We need to have education. We need to stand up for ourselves. We need to change the current environment that we're in or other things will also suffer and keep you from achieving your goals long-term. Okay. So don't, 
I don't like that excuse. I don't accept it. The, again, the I don't eat chicken, the strict vegan who isn't all that strict. Y'all crack me up because it's like, I used to have whatever. She probably doesn't listen to the podcast and we'll just have some tea. My brother used to date this girl and, um, she will not be named, but she used to come over and she was like, oh yeah, I don't eat chicken or beef. Um, she was like, I'm kind of leaning vegetarian, um, because I don't eat like eggs, um, or anything like that. But sometimes I'll eat a little bit of fish and we're like, oh, okay. So pescatarian or pescatarian or however you say it. And she was like, yeah, but like, I don't like labels. So like, no. And we're like, cool. Just tell us what you want to eat and don't eat. And it would never fail. Every time we would make something separate for her. And then she would try our chicken or try our beef. And we'd be like, okay. So like the one bite like one bite is okay, but we're not having the whole tit. We're not having the whole breast, just a bite of it. Um, yeah, those people really piss me off because again, limiting beliefs are annoying to me. Uh, I don't like them in my realm, in my aura, um, because they can really tear you down and hold you back. And for example, that experience with my brother's ex-girlfriend made me miserable, made everyone around her miserable and ultimately created a, uh, relationship of distrust and dishonesty because I felt like she wasn't being honest with herself and therefore was exuberantly not being honest with the people around her. Um, which I don't like. I don't like that as a quality. I don't like that as an experience. I don't like that in someone's spirit, whatever. So if you have that in you, time to address that. Bo show. The I can't give up that food. Now, I would never ask someone to give up a specific food, but I will tell you if there is a food that is holding you back, like a trigger food, um, that every time you eat it, you know, you can't stop. I'll tell you for me, uh, certain trigger foods, I have them, I do not keep them in the house. Um, or I will be very selective about how I keep them in the house. I personally cannot have a full family size bag of Cheetos. I have recognized that actually recently. Um, they get eaten and demolished in like two days, a, a full family size bag um, by me. Um, so the way I circumnavigate that, because saying, Alexis, you have to give up that food will immediately trigger a binge response in most people. Um, I say, look, we'll buy the single serve bags then. And I'm not saying we buy the single serve box bags that come in like the, you know, the big box of the 24. No, we only buy the single serve bags at the checkout. And that's it. And even that sometimes is too triggering. And so if you have a food that lingers over you, holds over you and steals your power and steals your opportunity and ultimately limits you in your goals, create boundaries with it, figure out a way to circumnavigate it. That's going to be different for everybody. Uh, the good old, well, I can't give up my glass of wine. I can't give up alcohol. I can't give up. I can't give up. I can't give up. Um, listen, I, you know me, (laughs) you know my honesty. 
Um, you know the heart-to-hearts we have here. If you can't give up your glass of wine and that glass of wine turns into two, three, multiple glasses a week and it is actively holding you back from achieving your goals long-term and being successful in your weight loss, in your physique, and it's disrupting your sleep and it's not actually a good coping mechanism for you because ultimately you get still stressed and you know how it goes. Go to therapy. Go confide in a friend. If AA feels like too much because there's a stigma around uh, addiction, confide in a friend, go to therapy. Um, But that again is a limiting belief. I am so anti-alcohol at this point. I can't stand it. Can't stand it. Can't stand the culture. Can't stand the belief system. Now, am I saying if you had a very lovely glass of wine with a steak dinner, totally different situation, totally different island. I'm talking about the debilitating belief system around the obsessive need and culture that alcohol has to have in Western society. Over it, sick of talking about it, We know that it is a drug. We know that it's addictive. We know that it causes cancer. We know all these things. Um, And I firmly believe that alcohol, we will look back at alcohol uh, just like we look back at cigarettes. Firmly believe that. It's already changing. I mean, Gen Z as a whole is a California sober society. Um, My friends, for the most part, do not drink. Like drinking is not drinking. When I say drinking, G, 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 not a drink, drinking is just not a thing. But California sober, on the other hand, yeah, wink, wink, everybody's chill. Okay, what you will come to hopefully realize is that all of these rules, right? And those are just a few that are very popular, very common. All of these rules are what have been keeping you from accepting the change that needs to be made to get your results. You're taking very simple mechanisms, right? Of weight loss, the simple mechanisms of weight loss. You're taking them a calorie deficit, you know, eating high protein, eating high fiber so that you're full, eating volume, taking the very simple mechanisms and you're pushing them to the absolute edge with a bunch of rules. And then you're getting frustrated that the mechanisms somehow don't work and don't get you the results that you want. And you blame the mechanisms thinking that you're broken, thinking that they're broken, thinking that they don't work. And then you give up. Stop putting the simple mechanisms into a box of your rules because it's never going to work. When has that ever worked? When you said, oh, you know, uh, with your finances, with your kids, with your spouse, whatever it might be, with your education, when has you trying to put it into a specific box of trying to cheat the system, of trying to skirt the hard work, when has that ever worked for you? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Probably never. So blaming the mechanisms and thinking that you're broken and giving up is not it. It's not it. In reality, you're going to have to give up all of your rules around weight loss, around your physique, around your food intake, and embrace something new. And you will be better for it. 
I think everyone is far more concerned with these like food rules than they are actually eating a nutrient-dense diet. Um, And I don't know what the fear is around eating a nutrient-dense diet, except for the fact that you are forced into giving up this idea that you can just eat whatever, actually whatever, and somehow end up getting the physique that you want. It's not how science works. It's like being like, hmm, maybe if I subtract $900 from my bank account when there's only $500 in there, it'll somehow end up okay. It's not gonna end up okay. You're gonna overdraw and you're gonna get a fee, okay? Um, <laughs> being concerned about how many net carbs or calorie per macro times table squared is only going to leave you feeling very, very burnt out. That's another thing I'd see people being overly concerned about. And the best way to see lasting change is to embrace the entire change of living, of literally living off of fruit, vegetable, lean protein sources, um, 80% of the time. And most people think that they are at least living into that 60% of the time. And then when I audit them, it comes to find out that it's probably about 30% or so, which is like pretty dramatic. Um, Most, I read a statistic the other day that said over now, over 65% of children eat a primarily ultra processed foods diet. That's not good. That's not good at all. Um, Again, I think people are unaware of just how much they eat. And I don't say how much in a quantity amount of like the amount of times they eat during the day or how many times they eat out a week. I think that people underestimate how calorically dense their baseline is. Um, And you've kind of hopefully seen this now as a conversation talking point on the internet of how people are like, well, when, you know, I had Sally Mae come to me, she told me she was eating 1200 calories a day and not losing weight. And so I said, how about, you know, we make you eat 1600 calories a day and track your food diligently. And she miraculously started to lose weight. It wasn't a miracle. It wasn't some crazy, funky, coolie, pop, reverse diet, math, medical, Isaac Newton science experiment that you are somehow a thermogenic freak where your metabolism needs more calories to burn because it's a fiery furnace and it needs to stoke the flame. No. (laughs) The fact is you couldn't maintain 1200 calories because it's so low and um, you most likely were so, so hungry that you were skirting and underestimating calories here and there, either daily or once a week when you had your cheat meal or binge meal, or, you know, didn't, didn't have the opportunity. Maybe you went out to a birthday or whatever, and you guesstimated, and it ended up actually being double the guesstimate that you had. That's it. People are really, really, really bad at estimating their caloric intake. That's why I recommend you get a food scale and start learning what your portion sizes are, what calories are and what, because you realize it adds up very, very quick. And when you think about it logically, 
it's not a very, we, it wouldn't be an intelligent design or we, we wouldn't have the amount of population that we have or existence or survival that we do if the human needed to eat 10,000 calories a day. Like all you would be doing is foraging, searching, and desperately f- needing to find food. And then you wouldn't be able to do anything else for survival. And the food sources would run out very, very quickly. Uh, that system doesn't work logically. So if you think like you need far less calories than you think you do to exist in like the, the context of our food environment in America, that's like the funniest shit is when people from other countries come here, their first response is, holy crap, your guys' portions are double, if not triple the size of other countries. Um, I'll never forget when I went, um, I visited my friend as a child when I was in high school. She moved to Switzerland. She was originally from um, Britain, but she had moved back. Um, Her dad got a job in Switzerland. So they moved to Switzerland and I was like, hey, like, I'm going to go over the summer in high school and visit my friend because she was like my only friend. I did not have a lot of friends as a kid. And so I was like, okay, I went there and I got to go to school with her because she went to uh, whatever um, those like integration schools are. So she was learning like uh, Swiss German and German and was at like one of those international schools. So she was with other English speakers trying to integrate into Switzerland. Um, so I got, and they are on a different school schedule. So they do like nine weeks on, two weeks off, nine weeks on, two weeks off. So I got to go um, one week of that, be in school with her. And we'd be in school and that was the hungriest week of my life. (laughs) Um, I was so hungry all the time because their portions were so, so small. And I'll never forget this very like fundamental shaping moment I had, um, as a kid when I went there, we were in an after school program where they fed us dinner and we were just like hanging out, whatever. And they made like a really delicious beef gnocchi thing. It was absolutely phenomenal. Loved it. And I got my plate, ate my plate in like record speed compared to everybody else and went back for seconds. Um, and the teacher was like, there are no seconds go ahead and have some water. That's enough. And if you're hungry in an hour or two, then we'll have a snack. And I was like devastated because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm still hungry. But I survived. I lived. I moved on and it was okay. (laughs) Again, the portion sizes, just the, the sheer existence in America is overconsumption driven. It just is. Um, and again, this information is to make you feel powerful, is to make you feel in charge. And so if you, for example, I've talked about this on the podcast before, if you know that you are a hungrier individual like myself, volume, fiber, protein are going to be your friend and you're going to have to prioritize that or you're just going to be hungry it's your choice. It's your options. Do with that what you will. Um, you know, I, the other part that is the hardest part of all of it is 
A lot of people feel like they have the inability to make necessary life changes, reducing their stress, cutting out toxic people, you know, maybe their work environment, making boundaries, saying no, finding a new job. Um, maybe your spouse or your children causes you a lot of stress. Um, and a lot of those things feel like they can't be changed or improved on, at least in the immediate. And that's hard. And those things take time to change. And sometimes that change comes with a lot of sacrifices. And that is another cultural thing in America of like the grind, work hard, play hard. Um, If you just work hard enough, pick up a second job. That isn't always going to serve you well long term. Uh, And if your health is suffering because of your routine, I would highly encourage you to evaluate it and see what changes you can make because I think that that's a very large topic uh, that holds people back from success long-term. And I used to be probably, I think, far more, I, I teeter back and forth between being very, very empathetic um, to people's routines and stress because everybody's ability to handle stress is different and different like from time to time. Um, and I've been in a job that was so, so stressful that it wrecked my health, my physical health and my mental health. And so I understand like when I was in that moment, there was nothing anyone could have said to me that would have changed my routine, my environment, whatever. It was like sink or swim in that moment. And the only way to change that situation was to make radical sacrifices and to change my entire life. And of course, the I guess the privilege of not having kids, um, which I think having kids is a privilege too. Um, but the only reason I was able to make those decisions is because of a su- supportive spouse and not having kids and being able to move my life around quite quickly. Uh, And I know that a lot of people can't do that. But then on the other hand, I teeter into a lot of people, I think, do struggle with not pushing themselves or believing them in themselves enough. Um, You know, your life is always going to be busy. Your life is always going to probably have a a certain level of stress um, as a component to it. And you have to figure out how to prioritize your health and your health needs within that stressful system. Um, and I, I don't necessarily love the kind of bro-y belief system of, well, you know, everybody, there's, there's someone out there who's busier than you, who's figuring it out. There's someone out there who's, you know, more stressed than you. That's not, I see the point in that. I see the point in that perspective, but I also feel like it doesn't take into account the necessity of validation of that per of the the person you're saying that to their situation, because everybody feels very stressed. Everybody feels how they feel. Um, and saying that isn't going to change that person's perspective or their environment, but I will tell you there's like a time and a place, right? Because now that I'm in a less stressful place, like if you would have told me that when I was in my horrible work environment, I would have given you the two middle fingers and kicked you in the face. But if you say that to me now, 
yeah, I'm on board. I get it. I can push myself. I have capacity to do more. I understand that there are people out there who are dealing with far worse and they still figure out how to get a workout in. They still figure out how to blah, 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 blah. There's a time and a place for added perspective. And so I give that gift to you. If you feel like you're drowning, you need to figure out how to get a lifeboat um, and ask for help, change your circumstances, whatever you can do so that you can get to the point of acceptance of, you know, we are capable beings and we can do far more than we think we can. Okay. Figure out where you land and try and push yourself to do more, be greater, live outside yourself um, because you are capable. Um, And I wish that someone would have not rescued me during that time, but at least told me, hey, you know, your level of stress right now is far too much for any one person to handle, but you are capable. And like, let's take a breath and you can do this. Like take a beat and you got it. Um, Didn't have anyone saying that, doing that. Um, And so I give that to you. Again, this kind of ties into that. Um, I see a lot of people struggle with no having no support system um, and really being in the throes of depression and anxiety and not, it's, I've talked about this before, like being in that catch 22 of like, Depression and anxiety symptoms, feelings can be alleviated through healthy living and, you know, good nutrient dense intake as well as exercise. Um, But trying to get to that point is really like shitty, sucky, and painful when you're in the throes of depression or anxiety or, you know, life circumstances. Um, And for your sake, for your life, you have to figure out how to get there. And I hate it. I hate saying that because I know how that feels. Um, but I wish someone would have said it sooner. I'm like, Hey, life sucks sometimes. Um, and it doesn't take away your depression. It doesn't take away your anxiety, but pushing through gets easier and easier when you push through in a way that takes care of yourself And that prioritizes your needs, prioritizes your physical health, your mental health. And sometimes those mechanisms suck and sometimes they are painful and sometimes they are hard. But if you do it well and take care of yourself and start small, you'll feel much better. Um, I will say healthcare accessibility is a big one. Um, you know, not having access to proper resources like um, in our healthcare system. I I could honestly talk about that for days on end. I have two parents that are physicians and it's quite devastating. The only encouragement I have to give you for that is take your health into your own hands and don't be passive um, with your health. You are the only person 
who is going to be responsible for yourself. No one is coming to save you. No one is coming to rescue you. The current healthcare system will not rescue you. It will not save you. You need to take your health into your own hands. Your kids are not going to come save you. Your parents are not going to come save you. Your spouse is not going to come save you. You have to be responsible for you. And one of the best things that you can do for your baseline of health is eating a nutrient-dense diet, high fiber, high protein, and moving your body, walking more, losing some excess body fat, going to the gym, and sleeping. Seriously, that's it. Please do it. If you do not want to suffer with your health care, later down the line, start today. Literally today today. And if you've already been doing it, improve it, do more. You can always do a little bit more. Um, I really used to think that all of the reason why people struggled so deeply was because of a lack of education. But I do think that that belief now for me is changing because of the internet and all of the amazing coaches and educators and free online information out there. Yes, I know there's a lot of BS still within that, but I think it's becoming easier to tell who's lying and who's, you know, just not and not invested in making money off of you. Um, but you know, if you've been listening to my podcast, if you're listening now, Sorry, I'm taking away your excuses card. You don't get one anymore (laughs) Um, because lack of education is now not going to be your problem. Um, And, you know, lack of education may have gotten you to the problem of being overweight, but now that you're here, it can't be the reason that you stay overweight because you do have access to education now. Um, so yes, most people struggle with being overweight because they have no idea what they're doing, what they're consuming day in and day out, um, and what's making them overweight. But now you are, you, you get to be aware. You have to be aware. And now that's your choice of whether or not you take on that responsibility of changing your life, changing your habits and doing the hard work of addressing your baseline. So what caused me to be to, oh, this is, this is, I wanted to get into, I almost forgot. Um, I wanted to get into a personal story about me because I've talked about a little bit, um, about the horrible job that I had, um, and kind of how we got here to this point that we're in now. Um, because I do want to share with you, I think it's important to learn from people's perspectives and how they get to where they are, um, specifically in their weight loss journey, their physique journeys, uh, and, and so on. Um, let me tell you mine. <laughs> so back in, um, I think about November, 2021, um, until August, 2021, I was working as an in-person personal trainer. Um, and the industry at the time was still struggling, uh, a bit from COVID and gyms were still trying to make up costs. And so the pay wasn't great and I wasn't making the money I needed to make with my online, um, stuff 
and my in-person job. And it was not a great environment. I was not really able, and personal trainers will, will tell you this, the good ones, I will tell you. Um, I was not able to devote enough time to take care of myself and even work out for myself because I was getting up at four in the morning to teach classes by 5.30. Um, and then I would teach classes and, and one-on-one sessions from 5.30 until like 11 sometimes, um, sometimes early, like not as late. And then I'd go home eat, nap, try and do like laundry or something because I had to go back into work to train again, classes or clients, um, like at four, four 30 until 8 PM. And then I come home and I just crash because I had to get up at four the next day. Um, and so that doesn't leave a lot of time for you to work out. Um, and it doesn't leave a lot of time for, for anything. Um, and that's pretty well known in the personal training industry is like, if you want to work out, you have to give up, uh, money basically, because you're not going to earn, um, during that hour that you spend working out for yourself. Um, and the only way I was able to keep off the weight during that time, um, be is like, or not keep off weight is to keep my physique is because I, my life, I mean, I would walk 25,000 steps a day, lifting weights all day long for clients, you know, loading their barbells, things like that. That's the only way I was able to maintain my baseline of physique is just because my life was very active. Um, so I left that, I kept my online business, but I left that in-person job to take a consulting job for a tech company in the tech boom. It paid very well, had nice benefits and was fully remote. So I was like, great, I can work out. I can do all these things. And for a while it was very good um, until it wasn't. Tech is known to being quite toxic and tumultuous, especially towards women and it was not a good work environment. And at the time I was still quite young. My frontal lobe was still not fully developed and I was unaware of the stress that it was causing me and the monster of like a person it was turning me into towards my own life and my own routines. And I just prioritized sleep over everything. Like I would sleep so much to work 12 hours, really high stress environment, high stakes environment. Um, and everything felt in that environment more important than my health. And I didn't even realize it was happening, um, because I was really concerned about money and I was really concerned about providing monetarily for my needs. And that is what continues to be a very large fear of mine. Um, and so I stopped working out Um, I would like go on walks and still try and do things like that. And I'd work out like here and there, but I stopped my personal routine. Um, and food like became comfort and that became my new baseline of like, I don't have time to cook. I have this excess money. I'm just going to order food. And that was a pretty normal thing in that environment as well. It would be like, let's eat, like, let's have this meeting over lunch. And so we door dash food or whatever. Um, and that became, it was just so toxic. It was so, so toxic. And so I'd completely forgot about my health and any implication of it and became obsessed 
with working and trying to get promoted. And you know, the, I'll give myself a pat on the back. I can fucking work. Um, I can work my ass off and I got promoted three times in the span of eight months and I was making a lot of money and I was not happy. Um, because I had shut down my business. I shut down the podcast because it wasn't like the podcast and my business was at the time was not yielding me enough money to give up these promotions and opportunities that I was getting at this company. Um, and so I was like, the money is worth more to me right now than built keeping my personal brand and my life. And so I kind of like traded out my dreams, my passion, my life for the money because I needed it because we have student loans and our, our rent was $2,000 a month. I mean, Raleigh was very expensive. Like, um, and my husband had gone through job loss and different things. And it just was very challenge, a challenging time. Um, and then I had helped my husband get a job at the company because again, great opportunity, great pay, great benefits. And then it all hit the fan even worse. And so I hadn't gained much weight during that time because I was still just fine. Like it was okay. I put on maybe like five or 10 pounds, which is nothing, um, just from inactivity. Um, and then my husband got laid off from that job. And my friends got laid off from that job. And I now had double workload to a already crazy workload from that job. And we, our whole lives changed overnight. I was already at my boiling point of stress, had no coping mechanisms. Um, And then my support system is now needing me as their support system. Um, And we couldn't afford to live. Like it was like, Oh shoot, we're probably going to have to be like in our car now. Um, so overnight we moved out of our apartment and moved in with a family friend. Um, I've never like, I never want to have to, that's the second time that that situation has like happened to me where overnight my entire life has like radically, changed financially where I'm down and out. And I like really don't want that to ever happen to me again. Um, because I, it's hard. Um, and so I, during that time was still working, had like, as I was moving, as I was changing my whole life, I still had to keep this job, um, because my husband didn't have a job and I had to be the sole income provider and manage all this stress and move. And my life had just like fallen apart. And I didn't have my passions anymore of helping people, helping clients. I had no clients at this time. Again, didn't have the ability to have that workload. And so I just didn't care about my life, didn't care about anything and started eating to heal those comforts and didn't really realize it. When you're in the throes of that, you don't realize what's happening and what's going on. Um, And, you know, I wasn't cooking for myself because I didn't have time um, and I was really stressed. So it was like, get up, work, eat, go to bed, get up, work, eat, go to bed, get up, work, eat, go to bed. And I had finally had enough, um, in December of 2022. And so I said, I'm done. And I quit 
I said, I will just figure it out. I will work at Chick-fil-A. I'll work at McDonald's. Like, I don't care anymore. I can't let my health continue to be like this. I'm a monster as a person. I'm stressed all the time. I don't feel passionate. Like, I want to off a bridge. Um, And it was very dark not a fun time. And so I gained during that very short span from like September to December, I gained about 30 pounds of pure, probably fat, um, just from eating myself silly, which I don't recommend because very, very hard to undo that. Um, and it's, I've undone it this whole year. Um, and it's honestly been very, very hard. And hard because too, I think people, I get afraid of that personal branding and image that people would look at me differently. Um, but I've come to terms with it and come to own it. And it's helped me as a coach. It's helped me empathize with people. It's helped me understand, um, personal like life shit happens. Um, and no one is immune just because I'm a personal trainer with all of this knowledge, I can't protect myself to a company going under and laying people off in my react, my emotional reaction to that. Now I've grown up um, as a person and I think I can handle stress a lot better and I have a lot more higher standards for myself than I did before. Um, you know, <laughs> I now... So flash forward to now, I, I've full-fledged my business. Um, I'm trying to do more. Um, I am a signed affiliate with Echo Vision. I have clients. Um, the podcast is almost at 200,000 listens. Um, you know, I'm very thankful that I'm still here. I'm very thankful that my life did not end. Um, and I'm still giving it my best. And I'm now 30 pounds lighter uh, than I was a year ago. And I also put on a shit ton of muscle too. So, you know, I'm doing good. I'm doing grand. I'm doing much better. So what does all of this mean? I say all of this of life is not linear, And we are all human beings. And I'm sick of the fake. I'm sick of the lying. I'm sick of the bullshit online. And I want you to know that I'm always going to do my best to try and be honest with you guys. And if we don't address the stress that we have in our lives, um, we're never going to get where we want to go. Um, if we don't address our own gaslighting bullshit that we do do to ourselves, we're never going to get where we want to go. Um, and so this brings me to my closing point because this shit's getting super long is we are all living lives that we were never intended to. Uh, we all have far too much stress, far too much consumerism, far too much everything, um, far too little human connection, far too little honesty, far too little compassion, empathy, grace, far too little standards for the life that we are intended to live. And my challenge to you would be if you continue to struggle with weight loss is start looking at the whole picture and not just a number on a scale. 
start looking at your existence start looking at your interactions with people, interactions with yourself, how you treat yourself, um, and coming to terms with your baseline and how it's all connected, interconnected as a whole. It's not just a number on the scale. Um, at the end of the day, it all matters. Um, you know, from when you go to bed to when you wake up, it all matters. Um, and you can, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, like, was this last year awesome? Has it, no, has it been painful? Yeah. Um, have I grown? Absolutely. Um, but you know, doing the hard stuff gets you what you want. Womp womp. That's the lesson. That's it. Um, I do want to tell you guys, if you made it to the end of the episode, congrats, because this one is a long one, um, that starting January 1, uh, which is a Monday, um, I am doing a habits challenge on my Patreon. I'm also going to be posting about it on Instagram. If you want to partake in a free way, I think I'm, I've set the, it's just a month, 30 day challenge, um, to join the Patreon community of the challenge is $10. So $10 for the month of the challenge, uh, to join in with me, have access to me. Um, but I'm going to be challenging you to do something every single day that hopefully in 30 days you'll end up maybe a little bit changed, a little bit better, a little bit improved of a person, um, both physically, mentally, um, all the things. So if you want to join me in that, um, you know, you're looking to kickstart your year, go ahead and join me in that. Very exciting. Also, if you're looking for supplements, you know, you struggle with sleep, you want electrolytes, anything like that. Um, Echo Vision is having a Christmas sale of uh, 20% off of my code Lex, L-E-X. I will leave the link for that, um, the Patreon and Echo Vision supplements in the description of this podcast episode. Again, if you wanted to tune in on YouTube to see my shining, smiling face um, so that you get more than just my voice, you can go to Calorie Deficit um, University on the YouTube and you'll get that there. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next one. 